Warning! This podcast may contain naughty language, including the C-word. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, you've tuned to Shingles List, where we talk movies, music, trending news, game sports, current affairs, and anything else that pops into our brains. I am Dave Shingler, and he stumbled out of bed and tumbled to the kitchen poured himself a cup of ambition it's clear i'm beauty well i tried to tell you so but i bet you didn't know as i said the story goes dave now i've got the flow hey we're back we're hey back. we're back we're after we're since back. september 21 i don't know yeah has it been i have checked months. i have checked it up it was september 21 been about nine <laughs> been about nine months give or take people have had people have had babies Cleon, since we were last uh, recording and i can tell you what they haven't called them babies Cleon. Because I'm still the only one. Still the in only the UK. one. Yeah, still the only one. Feel free to name I, your kids Cleon, by the way, everyone. Goes. Uh, I, yeah. Was there not? Was the one? There was one on the news once, mm. but wasn't he in like South Africa or He's something? He's in South Africa. I don't know. I'm still the only Cleon on Facebook. Cleon Bewley on Facebook, okay. which I think's a record. Yeah, that's okay. some. I don't know any other Cleons. No. I know loads of Daves. I know loads of Daves. Yeah. I've got an Uncle Dave. Nice. But I had a Uncle Dave. Nice, solid Hebrew name, David. <laughs> just, just there, David. Nice, solid Hebrew name. It is. With, it's, it's, it's in there with your Mark, isn't it? Mark. Luke. David. Yeah. Peter. Luke. What are know, the other disciples? Don't have, don't have James. Peter Hebrew. James is Hebrew, isn't it? James. I think it's just the basic Jesus' disciples. I've got no idea. Anyway, we're back. We are. We're back. We're back. What do we miss? Uh, the fall of Western civilization. Yeah, part four. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to run it down what we've missed? Okay, right. So, um, uh, what happened in 21? I struggle to remember what happened last week. Uh, did COVID finish? COVID finished. COVID finished. COVID's finished now. COVID's over. Um, the excuse is still being used for events that people don't want to attend to, though. Oh, most definitely, yeah, yeah. Not that I've done that myself, might have done. Um, COVID's over. Uh, Monkeypox was nearly a thing. Monkeypox was nearly a thing. That, they were trying to throw that one. Nobody, nobody was buying that one, though. No they all one, went... No one banged the no pants one, for that. Yeah, nobody Do you know, bit that worm. I think monkeypox was too close to coronavirus. A bit like Jaws 2. Yeah. The, the two were too close together. <laughs> they should have waited, give it a year, and then came in with the monkeypox the next summer. Yeah. And then we could have had another summer off. Could have done, could have done, could have done. Could have been Pandemic, the sequel. Monkeypox. And can um, I say, I had coronavirus. You did? I did. You're now in the uh, in the COVID-19 club. <coughs> um, but you had that watered down three injections later, COVID. Two injections later. <laughs> it did not feel watered down <laughs> whatsoever. That's always my thing, though, is when somebody says, oh, I got COVID, when did you get it? 2022? Yeah, you didn't have the good stuff like I did. You see, you see, I've never had it, because we may have listened to Cleon pontificating around coronavirus, <laughs> how it's just a flu and everything else, and it doesn't really bother you when you get it. Well, it's the only thing that made me go sit down. Yeah, it does do that to you. It and does I do sat. To you. Yeah. yeah. I must admit, I know a couple of people that have had it, like recently mm-hmm. and um and they've just gone like it was horrendous it's like the worst thing they've ever had yeah there's a there's a the woman who i know and uh, she literally had it twice in the span of like two months oh yeah it's completely like did she have it bad though both times i believe so yeah the first time it took about three days and then bang it hit her and then the the, the second time yeah she was 
she was off her feet. I've not mm. met many people that have had it bad twice. This mm. is this is where we're at with the world right now. Yeah. It's going to get crazier, by the way, folks. We're going to get into America at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've not, I've not met someone who's had it bad twice. It's normally the case where they have a nice one. Yeah. And that, you have a nice virus. And then you have a really horrible virus afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, so you're either having yeah. good and bad or... Bad and good. See, I don't know anybody that's out twice apart from that person. Um, but no, I know, I know yeah. my my friend from football, uh, Wayne. He's had it. He's had it a couple of times actually. He's had it more than twice. I've, 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 and the thing with me is as well. Like, I've been I've been in close proximity to several people who I know that have had it at the time when I've been close to them, and I still haven't caught it again. Is the um, app still a thing in universities? Because you're around universities quite a lot, aren't you? Uh, I don't think so, no. I, it's not It's not um, like regulation anymore. It's You don't have to check in, and you, know, you don't have to do the tests. I mean, I've got a, a few tests left, which I went to uh, I went to see Supergrass a couple of weeks back uh, at the Sugar Mill. With the young? Um, what? With the young, wild and free? Yeah. Um, yes, they were. It was very, it was very, very, very good. It was honestly, Cleon, It was like watching them in the nineties. Was it? It was just good. apart from the drummer who, who just looked like somebody's dad on the school run. He like came on the stage and sat behind the kit, and I didn't recognise him. And then I was looking, going, "Is that a different drummer?" And then, I, and then I looked. I'm like, "No, that's the same drummer. He just looks like he's not in a band anymore. He looked like he just walked off the school run and walked in the mill and just jumped behind the kit. Still plays like a lunatic though. Um, no, very, very good, very good night. But the the guy who I went with, my mate Trev, um, he got COVID. Mm. Um, like the whole family got it, and, and I'm like, well, he hasn't. The thing with Trevor's. Um, he got very anxious about being out and about and around people during the pandemic. Yeah. So the last time he went out, um, like out out, bef- was with me before the pandemic, and then the next time he went out was with me after the pandemic to see Supergrass. And he literally just kind of stayed. He's been like you know on walks and things like that, but he hasn't been like out 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 anywhere, and. Um, but he said he was feeling all right about everything now, like, and you know, he, he mm. wasn't feeling overly anxious about stuff. And uh, yeah, he goes out, and um, within a few days, he tests positive for COVID. Uh, but he went, he went the mill, and then he went um, some gathering as well. So he, he's not sure where he's caught it from. So because of that, obviously, I'm testing again. Um, I've I felt a bit rough over the last couple of weeks, but yeah. my tests are negative. I think it's just a fever. Be honest with you, weather's been lovely, and it pollen yeah. counts up. Um, but I, I'm testing negative. But no, the the testing in the app and everything, it's not... I don't know anybody that's still doing it. No, it's um, done. At all. So that... The, yeah, COVID went away. Um, war. War. There's War's war. happened. War happened. That's not very nice. No. Um, in the slightest. Uh, Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. We have to talk about that. That happened. Uh, that was just weird. Um, Kate Bush is at number one. Yeah, for an overrated TV programme. Oh, I like Stranger Things. It, it, it's good. Good. It's um, good. But let's be honest. What have you just described it as? What? Good. No, you described it as good. Oh, I thought you said it was. No, good. No, I said I liked it. Oh, yeah. I, th- I love Stranger Things. I think it's brilliant. Do you think it's as yeah, hard yeah. as everything? It's. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I watched it from watched it from series one, and I've watched it religiously like as it's come out. Um, and I must admit, this series, it, this series has been released in two parts. First part 
out. Second part comes out on Friday. Uh, but every episode, bar one, is like the length of a film. Um, yeah. Whereas the other the other seasons, every episode was just a TV episode. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's like, you know, the, one of the episodes, I swear, was like an hour and 50. I haven't seen anything of the um, new material. And on and on shows. on Friday when part two comes out, the final episode is two hours. I think it's two hours and forty three minutes. Wow, that's not an episode. That's not an episode. That's a film. That that's an Avengers movie. <laughs> that's a film. Yeah, that's an Avengers film. That's a Scorsese movie. That is. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's not like, a Scorsese movie. It's, it's the first very... half of a Scorsese yeah. movie. <laughs> it's, it's it's Blu-ray number the one. Irishman. <clears throat> um, yeah. So. But I really like Stranger Things, and uh, I did get, I got wrapped up in the nostalgia of it, you know, being set in the 80s. I like the story, mm. uh, you know, I like the characters. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, the cast is brilliant. Um, and this series, when I was like, oh, Jesus, these are long episodes. I can't yeah. binge watch this. We so did. We binge watched it. <laughs> I was knackered. But we've planned out Friday um, when it comes out. I mean, I'm in work in the day, and uh, we've planned out Friday. So I'm going to finish work. We're going to get snacks. We're going to order takeout, yeah. and we're just going to binge it. We're going to do the whole do the second whole part in one go. Yeah. Um, you know, kids will be fending for themselves, <laughs> whatever. Like, don't talk to me for a few hours. Have you got any tea? Go away. Go away. <laughs> um, yeah, Kate Bush. Um, the one thing I like about Kate Bush being at number one as well is it's not. I mean, I suppose it is. It will be an older generation. It'll I do be, like Kate Bush. I love Kate Bush. I, I do. I have to admit, I have got a partiality yeah. for eighties music. It, it will be like your Gen Gen X's and and older millennials, like getting that bit of nostalgia and maybe going on Spotify and listening. But the one thing that I love is that there's a whole new generation of people that didn't even know who Kate Bush was, and because of that scene and Stranger Things. Um, it, they've all gone. What the hell is this? Do you, and, know, do you know what else I love about this? Go on, Kate, Mo- Kate Moss, Kate Moss, Kate Moss. Mm. I quite like Kate Moss. I like Kate Moss. <laughs> but anyway, Kate Bush. Kate Bush actually owns the publicity. Mm. She owns all the back catalogue. She owns her own material. So just from this being relative, uh, relevance, relevance. Yeah. What's going on with my words today? Yeah, with this, with this, yeah, with this happening now. Um, she's getting all the she's getting all the correct uh, rewards for yeah, it instead of it just getting straight mm. to Spotify X Y and Z. Yeah, she. Um, I listened to an interview with her today. She she did an interview on BBC's uh, Woman's Hour. Yeah, is that Radio Four? I'm not too sure what that's on. Um, <laughs> but she did it. I mean, she doesn't do interviews. You should listen to that if Kate you're out and about in the afternoon. Kate Bush doesn't doesn't do interviews, and she's done this interview with uh, with Woman's Hour, and I listened to it today, and she's just like. She's so nice. She's yeah. just she's really happy about and it, she, and she's like, it's just she thinks it's great that there's a, you know it is a younger generation of people, and you know I've heard people say um, like Kate Bush has come on the radio, and and they've gone like, oh this is that new, this is that new song by somebody called Kate Bush. She's like, no no, this is an old song. Yeah. This came out in like 1986, I want to say 1986, and um, and it's a fantastic track. It's a brilliant track, brilliant synth pop track. Um, and for me, though, I it's from the album Hounds of Love, mm-hmm. and I've never owned a copy of Hounds of Love on record because it was that popular 
the ten a penny. They're everywhere. Yeah. Like every yeah, yeah, yeah. like record store or second hand record thing or car boot sale, wherever I went, there's always at least one copy yeah. somewhere. And it's like a fiver because there's loads of them because they sold loads. Mm-hmm. T- to the point where I saw one in Manchester this year, before Stranger Things this was. I think it was in Clampdown Records. And um and it was like a tenner. But the sleeve was um the sleeve was quite stained because it's a white sleeve, little picture in the middle. The sleeve was quite stained, and I was like, "That's how f- picky I was with the record, <laughs> and that's how widely available they were." Yeah. I was like, "I'm not going to buy it because the sleeve's a bit stained. I'll just wait." And then, stranger things happened. And you, then you, you cannot get any Kate Bush vinyl anywhere. And then it's like, "What the? Th- where, where's why? Where, where are all the Kate Bush records gone? <laughs> they're on and, eBay. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. They are slowly now. I mean." Come Friday, they'll probably shoot back up in price, but I've noticed they're slowly dropping in price again now. But they were selling for like upwards of £100 on record. And on cassette, it's even worse. Um, I know you said you haven't watched any of this series, but they play the song on a Walkman on cassette. Um, is, so it, people, is it yellow, the Walkman? So people want the, I didn't say, people want the cassette. I've seen, not listed, I've seen them sell for nearly £500. The, the cassettes. cassettes. Of Hounds of Love, and like that. You have boxes and boxes of cassettes. It's just mental. Like, you know, what I mean, somebody somewhere will, will be sitting on that tape, and Damn they don't even you know the dog still got it. And like I say, I've never owned it. And then, but it's been on me. It's in my wish list on Discogs, and it's. But like I say, ten a penny. Yeah. Not that expensive. When I find a really good quality copy, mm-hmm. I'll buy it. And now it's like, oh. Well, that's not going to happen anymore because they're all getting sold, and the reissues as well are sold. They're just sold out everywhere, you know. See, that's what happens when you wait. But this week, I was very lucky. Um, 2018, Mm -hmm. the remastered all of the Kate Bush albums and they released them on CD and on record and they came, you could buy them separately or you could buy them in box sets. And it was like the the box sets were called Kate Bush Remastered on Vinyl One. Two, three, four. There might have been a fifth one. I can't remember. Um, and Hounds of Love was on remastered in vinyl too. And it's just a nice little box with the th- with three albums in it. Um, uh, Hounds of Love, um, Central World, and Red Shoes. Um, and I found it online, new, sealed, for forty quid. Now, Hounds of Love on its own is regularly selling at the moment over 40 quid. Yeah. And I'm like, and the reissues sound pretty good as well. I've heard some of the reissues before. Um, the the original pressings sound a bit more dynamic than the than the, than the remasters. Uh, but the remasters sound fine. They sound good. And I don't mind having a remaster when it sounds good. Sometimes the remasters can be shocking, but these sound pretty good. So I was like, well, 40 quid, I'm not going to. I'm, I just can't pass hmm. on that. I don't own Red Shoes. I already own Central World. And I, and I obviously don't own Hounds of Love. So I just, yeah, without thinking, bang, that one's in the basket, bought it. Um, jobs are good. And so I've got it now. Um, but I was very lucky to find that. And, uh, yeah, but my advice to anybody who wants this record is just wait. Just give it a few months. <laughs> give, give it two months. The, let the prices come the back down again. The will die down and, yeah, they'll be, they'll be readily available again. Well, while we're on vinyl, mm. and whilst we're on this subject of vinyl, a clever little segue, considering I've seen your interest in the vinyl market, Dave, I thought I'd join in with you. Okay. And what I've done, I've discovered the top ten prices vinyls okay. on the face of the globe. Okay. According to HMV. 
Okay, go for it. Okay. So, number 10, Frank Wilson. Now, do you know why Frank Wilson's vinyl is so expensive? No, go on. It's a 1930s super hit and only 250... It's not a 1930s, sorry. Only 200... Only 250... Oh, my days, nine months. Only 250 (laughs) were only ever pressed. And only a few survived following Motown's boss at the time, Barry Gordy, having a ma- having a mass destruction paddy and throwing everything in the bin because he was worried that Frank Wilson would actually do better than him. Right, OK. There you go, super jowl, super jowl. Tommy Johnson, Alcohol and Jake, 37,100, and that is the 1930 78 RPM mix. OK, yeah. Yeah. Alpha Twin, Custic Widow. £46,300. Jeez. It wasn't a write-up about that. It was just like the devil. And then we get on to my mate up here, who I am going to have a moan about. Oh, yeah. Mr. Karaoke over here from Glastonbury. He's pointing at the the Beatles poster. And now we're on to the Beatles. Till There Was You, the 10-inch, 77,500. And this is wholly considered as the holy grail of Beatles memorabilia. Oh, let me just cool. And that's that's making sure it features the B-side of Hello, Little Girl. That That original press was Beatles' first demo for EMI. Did you know what? What what was the B-side? Hello, little girl. Okay. And girl is spelt G-U-R-L in Brian Epstein's handwriting. Number six, and we're here again, the Beatles yesterday and today. £125,000 for the version. Now, why oh, the, was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why was this vinyl press and sleeve so expensive it was the it's the butcher cover isn't it mm. so they've got like the, the dolls and they're in butchers yeah. outfits and they're covered in blood and whatnot they've so pretty much got dismembered babies all around yeah them. so that the, the first press i believe i haven't read this for a while i believe the first press was the butcher cover and then they when they when it was reissued it was the cover where they're in like a flight case one yeah. of them's one of them sit, i think it's paul sitting in a flight case and the rest are around it but you could you could peel that off to reveal the butcher cover underneath so the i, th- I think i'm not don't quote me as verbatim on this but i believe they refer to them as first state second state and third state yeah so if you get a first state it's that original cover a second state is the peel is the one with the peel on and the third state's the one with the peel off i believe that's true anyway i've just um i've just quickly jumped on discogs and had a look for the uh the beatles uh hello little girl till there was you um so yeah it's an acetate a 10 inch acetate mm-hmm. 78 rpm uh, released in 1962. So this wouldn't have been released to the public um, if it was an acetate. It would have been a demo. Um, yeah, so that's what I said. It was an EMI yeah, demo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So it was an attempt to get them in a recording contract. Mm-hmm. Um, With the original writing from from Mr Epstein, who I keep calling... Uh, yeah, from the original writing, not from him, on the actual label. Yeah, hello... And the, and the word girl was spelt wrong. It's, I mean, I've got a picture of it here. It says, hello, the handwriting, hello, little girl, John Lennon and the Beatles. It's credited as. Cheeky um, sod, he was after it then, wasn't he? Yeah. Anyway, mm. 
Number number three was John Lennon and Yoko Ono's debut album. That sold for £150,000. Now, it wasn't the significance of the album itself that was the price on this. What do you think the significance was? I don't know. It was the last thing he ever signed. It was the... Oh, OK. Just literally, just before, he was riddled full of holes. Oh, oh, Cleon. Yeah, or he was shot. <laughs> I did that proper Stokey then. Just before, riddled just full before. of holes. The Beatles' Sergeant, Ma- Ma- Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. An okay. original 90... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just pace this out a little bit. It's not every record. I've just got a vision of an old man listening to this now and going, oh, I've got that upstairs. It's an original 1967 pressing with the black fo- polophone label onto it and also with four signatures. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, yeah. there's a padding out to that. <laughs> yeah, It's the original one. Number three, we're talking originals. The King, Elvis Presley, My Happiness, the first ever test pressing of an Elvis Presley recording. Right. So that was his first ever first one. First one, yeah. first pound. The Beatles, White Album, 790,000. Is that Ringo's copy? That was Ringo's copy which he sold, which was copy 000, 000, 0001. One, yeah. Um, for anybody, quick segue away from that, for anybody interested in the serial numbers... Uh, on the Beatles' White Album um, and what they represented. There's a brilliant video on YouTube by uh, a channel called Parlogram Auctions that came out a couple of weeks ago and it tells you all about the serial numbers and what they meant. Mm. (laughs) And number one, which was something that I didn't get, something that came in from the right a little bit, was the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, is it the Once thingy upon one? Once a time is Shagon. Sh- yeah. Is yeah, that yeah. the one that Uzi bought? bought? Um, the naughty pharmaceutist, the naughty chemist. He live-streamed it. <laughs> when he bought it, he live-streamed it, didn't he? Um, now, you mentioned to me that you were going to come in with this list of, uh, of most expensive sold records. So what I've got together, yeah. knowing that I am, a record um, connoisseur. Uh, connoisseur, not connoisseur. That's the wrong word. Collect. I don't like using the term collector because it may, when I when I hear somebody say oh, I'm a collector, it makes me think that everything's stored in like glass cabinets and you're not allowed to touch them. Um, when I, you're a connoisseur, you think brandy. You think yeah. I buy <laughs> records because it's my preferred format to listen to music on. I like listening to music on records. Now I know you've got purists out there that say there's no point in buying new records because it's all digital. You might as well get the CD, and they're right. Um, but I like the aesthetic of it. I like holding a record. I like putting a record on the turntable. I like dropping the needle. I like sitting down yeah. and listening to a the record. Experience. I like the experience of it. I like everything that comes with it. That's what that's what it is for me. You know, I stream. I play CDs. I've got tapes. You know, what I, mean? I make a lot of use of streaming. It's not like I'm against streaming. I, I bloody love. You know, the 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 um, accessibility and the convenience of streaming. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I have a, a quite a healthy record collection. Um, so I've got a list of my most expensive your most records, ex- my the ones that I own, my most expensive records. I'm, I'm quite intrigued um, to hear this. I'm also quite <clears throat> worried about the health and safety of this building. Following this, <laughs> they're insured. Um, so the first one isn't one album; it's a box set, yeah. and it's just up there. It's the Beatles in mono. Bloody Beatles again. Uh, it's the Beatles and Mono. Surrounded um, by him at the moment. 
Or should I go 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Go 10 to 1. Okay, okay. Don't go 1 to 10, go 10 to 1. 10. So number 10, <laughs> it's the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, the Beatles, Let It Be Naked. Um, now it's, it's down underneath the record player. Um, now, Let It Be Naked was the early 2000 release of the Let It Be album uh, with all of the um, Phil Spector production stripped away from it mm-hmm. and just the the band in the studio what they recorded it was a bit more it was a bit punchier though with the phil Spector. a bit more it had a bit more shoot shot to it um yeah john lennon basically described phil Spector's version of let it be as he, he took uh, th- this isn't the exact quote but he basically said he made shit look like gold you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but i like that stripped back um them stripped back versions of the songs like if you watch the the get back documentary on on disney you can hear them as they're recording it um and you listen to like the live concert on the roof as well i like them versions i also like what phil specter did with it as well I was, thought, was phil specter struck from the documentary well no because the, the documentary that was what that all took place before phil specter got his hands on it so the documentary was just the recording of the album. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then it wasn't the, new producing. Yeah, the, the tapes were eventually the record. The tapes were all given to Phil Spector for him to do his thing with them. Uh, I like Let It Be. I think it's a really good album. Uh, so Let It Be Naked was like a reimagination of the album. All the Phil Spector stuff stripped off it. It was just the five musicians because they had Billy Preston on keyboards as well. Um, different running order. Different. Some of them were different takes, and it's it's a re- it's a really good record. I, I like it a lot. Came with a seven inch uh, as well. Um, the that is sold on Discogs for. Two hundred and fifty-six pounds and twenty-five pence. Right, I'm going to get a running total going with my calculator here, Dave, and I'm going um, to see what I can exit the building with. Number nine, <laughs> FM eighty-four's Atlas. Yeah, one of the most sought-after synthwave releases ever. Two thousand and sixteen, the album came out. Uh, now, when it was pressed to vinyl, uh, five hundred were pressed, and I at the time knew of FM eighty-four quite like the album um wasn't too fussed about buying it but i was like oh you know what i'll get it and i jumped on the website and i bought it when it was released and didn't really think anything else of it it sold out really quick so they did a second pressing later that year that sold out really quick so 12 months later or something they did a third pressing that sold out this year People have been waiting years for this, but because of the pandemic, it was delayed. This year, they released the fourth pressing, um, and it sold out in less than, I think it was three minutes. How many copies did they do? Um, Of the fourth pressing, they did a 1,000 on the website, and then I think there was like another 500 that went out to stores. Why didn't you just do two? Um, So yeah, that sold out, to the point where Cole Bennett, who is FM84, just tweeted out... Don't worry, I'll organise a fifth pressing. Um, you know, we, we'll because it, it just scalpers have just bought it and they're putting them online and they're selling for stupid money. So FM eighty four is Atlas. I've got a first pressing uh, that sold for just short of two hundred and seventy five quid on oh. um, on on Discogs. Uh, Wolf Club chasing the storm. This is Wolf Club's second album. It's another synthwave release. Um, now this was released by Time Slaves and it sat on Time Slaves uh, inventory for months. He didn't sell out. Mm -hmm. And I very nearly didn't buy it. And then they were down to a few copies. And I listened to the album a few times. I'm like, you know what? It's pretty good. I'll I'll pick it up. And I remember 
um, putting on might have been Instagram or Facebook, I can't remember, that if you don't buy this record and you're a fan of Synthwave, you, you're going to miss out. Mm. So just buy it while it's there. And it's sold out. And then they moved over to New Retrowave, which is a bigger Synthwave label, and all their albums sell out now on New Retrowave, which in turn led to more exposure, to led to people going back to Chasing the Storm, and then they couldn't get it. Another pressing was released that also sold out. Uh, that sold for £292, mm-hmm. that one. Um, the Midnight, Days of Thunder, yeah. Red Pressing, another Synthwave one, 344 that's uh. sold for. Um, my pressing of Black Sabbath's debut album, uh, it's not a first press. I think it's something like a fourth pressing. Uh, that has sold for 345 quid. Uh-huh. Mine would not sell for that because it's knackered. Um, <laughs> I'd probably get about 40 quid for mine yeah. if I'm lucky. But it, that copy, that pressing has sold for 345. Uh, Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. Yeah. Uh, 431. Fair. Um, once again, my copy wouldn't sell for that much. It's not. That would be one that's in pristine condition, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Mine wouldn't sell for that much. Uh, Iron Maiden's Virtual... Now, is it pronounced Virtual X1? Is it pronounced Virtual XI? Is it pronounced Virtual 11? I don't know. I do know it's not a very good album. Could be, I think it's Virtual 11. It's bottom of my list. Of really? Iron Maiden albums, yeah. Uh, it's not very good. It's a late 90s album. Uh, Blaze Bailey, still the singer of the band. I bought it... Now, this was early 2000s. I bought it for about, I want to say about, was this the, no, it wasn't the 60. It was about 43 quid. Yeah. It has sold for £461 on Discogs. They remastered and reissued that record, Mm -hmm. which you would think would bring the price down, but it hasn't. Um, so yeah, that first pressing which I've got has sold for four hundred and sixty-one twenty-five pounds, um, which I think is fucking mental because it's. I've just got my fingers and everything crossed that take that's top of this list because I've got <laughs> some of that stuff. Um, <laughs> number three is another Maiden record. It's Iron Maiden Live at Donington, um, three LP record. When we when we Maiden Live in Donington, this was from nineteen ninety-two. Right, got you. Um, so. I bought that from a record fair for about 12 quid, mm-hmm. something like that. This was in the, the 90s at some point. Um, it is sold for £585. Wow. Um, another maiden one comes in at number two. Uh, it's the Best of the Beast box set. I paid, I want to say 100 I think. I think I paid about 100 for mine. It's also got a fully signed... Uh, book so it comes with a 24 page book it's yep. a four record box set 24 page book the book is fully signed by the band at the time I believe it's got Bruce Dickinson and Blaze Bailey's autograph on it as well um, that has sold for £798 yeah. and back to where we started the Beatles and Mono the um, 2014 Mono box set which is absolutely beautiful and in my opinion are the best sounding Beatles records you can ever buy unless you were born in the 60s and you bought the first pressings when they came out yeah um yeah th- this version of of the albums in there are the best versions that you can buy in my opinion um i paid face value which was about 350 quid mm-hmm. i think 
it wasn't 250 i swear it was 350 could have been 250 um that regularly regularly sells for over 1200 wow regularly sells um because they just stopped pressing them and that's not too shabby is it really? they will never they will never press it again because apple lost money on that box set they lost money on it so they will never press it again it's no point apple and lost money, money. Right. yeah so um that's my top 10 uh if, if, if albums i am on discogs and the collections all up there people can view them as they please um so you know, what do you do every time you collect a new vinyl you add it onto your disc disc discogs it's discogs. called it's a website yeah you just you can, it's a way of cataloging your collection now mm-hmm. these value these values aren't like you know they're not set in stone or anything but it gives you a rough idea of the market at the time now You'll go on to Discogs and you'll see that um, people are listing albums for a ridiculous amount of money. It's like, you know, an album that recently sold for maybe £100. You'll see somebody listing it for 500 Doesn't mean it's going to sell. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. people are trying to sell it that much doesn't mean it's worth that much. Something's only worth what somebody's willing to pay, pay for, for it. it. Um, but it gives you a rough indication of the market at the time because you can look at last sold. You can click on the last sold link and you can see the last, you know, however many sales and what 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 it sold for. And there's a lot of them that just go up and down and up and down. There's some that are a steady incline. Some of them just stay level. Um, and you can get a rough idea of what your collection's worth. You know, I I put up. Um, the the Beatles let it be naked two hundred and something like as my as, as number ten, the the least amount it sold for was sixty quid, yeah you know what I mean. But the Wolf Club album, the least that that sold for is twenty, but somebody also sold it for what did I say two hundred and ninety two, you know what I mean. It's so, it, but it will give you a rough indication of what the market's like at the moment for that record. So yeah. I didn't do it. Um, for years, and I, last year I spent a few weeks just going through, cataloging the records, and it's, it's a bit painstaking. If there's no barcodes, which a lot of them haven't got barcodes, it's quite painstaking. You've got to make sure you get the right pressing. You're looking at um, run-out groove um, stamps. You're looking at the labels. You're reading the covers. You're looking at little indicators just to make sure you've got the right pressing. Um, and it can be a bit of a pain if it's not obvious, but you know you get there in the end. Uh, it just takes a bit of patience, and now every time I get a record now, I just list it straight away. I put it up yeah. into my list, so I'm not stuck with a massive catalogue of stuff I haven't put up there. Um, and like I say, it just lets you stay on top of your um, of your collection, what it's worth, and it's good for like insurance as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You've got a document there where yeah, you can say, you can say I've... These, this is my collection, this is what it's worth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, yeah. As you see, my as you see, I'll join that tonight, Dave. Um, and on my collection, you'll see Frankie Wilson, Do I Love You, <laughs> Tommy Johnson, Alcohol, and Jake and Jack. And then from there, you'll see my house promptly getting burgled later on tonight. Um, <laughs> just so you know, by the way, take that and party, which I do own. Yeah. Um, maximum that that's sold for is £72. Yes! And the I've Got Everything Changes as well, which was never released on record in the UK. There's a white label version of it, mm-hmm. which was put out in the UK, uh, but it was released... I've got a... South- I did not know Everything Changes, the vinyl, was not released in yeah, the UK. Yeah, never released in the UK. Um, and what was the last album? Never- I, know it was on C- I know it was on CD. What was the last album? Um, what? Take now, that. You, which form? Um, the original? Yeah, the original. Never forget. Never forget, yeah, that was it. Um, that was never released on record as <laughs> well. Um, on vinyl? 
Yeah, on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was in Greece. So oh. Greece got a vinyl pressing of that. Um, so yeah, my copy of Everything Changes is from South Korea. Is that in English? Where Greece got a copy of it? Yeah, the songs are in English. But, oh, I, was just, yeah. I just thought they um, like this weird type of Greece. I don't want your back for good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my copy's from South Korea, and that sold for £41. Pounds. Oh. Yeah. Um, not a bad quality copy as well. No. Best anyway. song from Everything Changes anyway, is Prey. We've been rambling about records. We have. We have, we have. We have. What else have we done? Just staying on the theme of music, Dave. There's been a few gigs. There's been a few gigs. There's been one very special local gig, hasn't there not? There, there, there is, but I think we need to... I think before you go into the local gig, you've got to take that further step back into the local football team and just to celebrate Port Vale getting promotion. Yeah. From said League 2 into League 1. Into League 1. I... Um... I haven't enjoyed watching a game of football that much for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it was on the TV because it's a, you know, a playoff final. Um, and is that twice this year, actually, Vale have been on Sky? Yes, twice. <laughs> um, twice. Oh, no, it would be three times. Three times. Three times it will because the... Exeter. Yeah, yeah. One. Um, final, one. Did Was the semi, playoff semi, not on Sky? I don't know if I'll listen, listen to it on the radio. Yeah, and then true. last was it not the last home game or last away game of the season or something, Vale's game yeah. was, was chosen for Sky. Um anyway. Yeah, I I haven't watched a game of football for a long time that I've enjoyed that much. Um and I think it was the nostalgia of it because it was it was my club, which I haven't supported for years because I'm not a huge football fan. Now, and and it just made me feel like it was 1994. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was the Autoglass Trophy yeah. final. We Ian, were on the coach. Ian we Bogey's banging him in for fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was. Uh, that's just how it made me feel. And um, I thought it was great. It was well, great to watch. My playoff final was ruined, Dave. Go on. Because I became a bad luck omen for Port Vale. Mm. I don't know if you can remember me going through this. I was going through some type of personal hell. Uh, just because every time I went to watch Vale towards the end of the season, they lost. Yeah. And I do genuinely mean every time I went, they lost. My mate, my mate Scouse, he, um, he's a Stoke fan. And whenever he placed a, a bet, he does he does like accumulators and stuff like that. But in any mm. bet that he had Vale to win, Vale always lost. So at the end of the season... You know when we only needed one game for automatic promotion? Yeah. Literally every game, he put a bet on Vale to win. And they was, lost every game. And they lost. Um, See, I went every single one of those matches. In fact, scale back to the season when they weren't doing too well, mm. I was also attending Vale quite heavily then. <laughs> right? So then I left and did stop going, and they went on this massive run, and just as they were about to clinch it and get automatic promotion, Cleon started going Vale again. And then they started to lose. And as you know, my daughter Bo plays for plays within the Vale Academy. Yeah, yeah. So I've got touch points within the Vale within the Vale community. You know, the Vale tribe. Yeah. So I'll be honest with you, Dave. If I would have turned up at Wembley for that <laughs> final, a hundred percent, I would have been escorted out of the premises or just kept on the periphery. It was that bad, if you remember. With me, I was outside the stadium. Can you remember this against? Oh, Walsall, we mm -hmm. were playing at home. Vale were 1-0 up. I was still queuing outside Vale Park when they went 1-0 up. The moment I walked in the stadium, the <laughs> other team scored the goal. 
and then proceeded to score another two goals afterwards and completely annihilate. So just for me, um, Carol Shanahan and the Shanahan family have done really well with Port Vale. Yeah, yeah. And what they've done um, is bring the community back into the area. I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's gone more like family orientated again, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got an academy at Port Vale coming through. We've got the Port Vale Foundation attending schools. As you know, I'm not a Port Vale fan, but I'll, mm. I'll, I'll shower them with the, yeah. the credit that they deserve. Going into the schools, taking a player into the school. My daughter at her school, one of the Port Vale players, came in that night when she came home from uh, school. I want a Port Vale season techie. I yeah. want Port Vale. <laughs> la, 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 la. Tom Conlin. Oh, it's so beautiful. And all of that stuff that comes with a community football club is all back into the city. So just for me, it's been missing from this side of the city yeah, for too yeah, long yeah, now. Yeah. We're, Blurton and all those areas that are associated with Stoke City, they've got that and they've had it for a while yeah. now. We at this side of the city, we, we haven't had that. So a lot of the people at this side of the city have gone towards Stoke City. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing signs outside pubs this season of home fans only in Smallthorn. Yeah. Port Vale flags in the actual pubs. Well done to Port Vale, up and down. And it's only a small thing. Up and down Smallthorn Bank, down Burzland Bank. These are local areas that we know very yeah. well. But these are local areas that are within the catchment area of Port Vale that have been smothered with Stoke City in the Premier League, taking them on buses to the ground here, there and everywhere. And it's stopped now. And it seems to be that Vale are back. Stay tuned for this season's relegation. <laughs> um, it seems to me that they're on the right footing and it's back. And we were supercharged in the area with the energy that Port Vale were coming in. They were been promoted and the tribalism and the and the togetherness of it all. And then Robbie fucking Williams came out and said, guess what, guys, I'm going to do a gig at Vale Park. And all us, all the Vale fans and the, family, the extended Vale family all prayed that we get promoted and we'd be able to watch Robbie come home as a season where we'd been promoted. Mm-hmm. And it happened. Yeah, it did. And it was brilliant. I got emotional. I went through all the fields in that gig. And he stood up and when he stood up on the stage in the Newport Vale top, mm-hmm. where holding the trophy aloft, which I thought was an excellent piece of marketing. Especially good from the marketing team. Hi, Dan. Uh, <laughs> at, Port, at Port Vale, Townley, absolutely brilliant marketing that was. Um, and when he stood up on stage and went, my name's Robbie Williams, and pointed to the left from where he was standing and said, I'm from Green Bank fucking road. For me yeah. and the rest of the crowd, it was absolutely brilliant. One of the best gigs I've been for a while. It took him about... From what I noticed when he came to Port Vale, it took him about 10 bloody minutes to get going mm. because you could just see he was, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You could you could actually see, you could hear it in his voice and he had to get his, he had to get his legs moving and get his stamping and start moving around. Brilliant gig, one of the best things and best things that I've ever seen in Burslem, apart from me on karaoke, of course. Oh, of course. But... Absolutely brilliant gig, and you missed out, Dave. It was yeah, amazing. I, it was. Um, I, I literally had. I had the ticket in me in my basket on Ticketmaster on the Saturday, and I was just like, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. I couldn't really afford it, and then I was like, ah, just. I think there's part of me that's like, I'm a bit gutted I didn't go, but it's I'm not. Again, no. But I'm not like 
too fussed that it didn't go. But I must admit, my friend, my friend Shell, she's been seen quite a few times, and uh, and she went to, to Vale Park, and she was like, I've seen him a few times, and he's been good. She said, but that was just different. Yeah. She said it just felt different. Mm. It's not. She said like it's not like the gig was any better than any other Robbie gig, but the, everything just felt different. She it said felt it felt like one big hug. He said it was something. She said something. It was just something really special about it. So. It was um, it was quite strange because I I, I, I turn bit... around quite a lot as you know mm. and I look at everyone's reaction. Yeah. So I try and gauge what it'd be like to kind of be behind me and mm-hmm. kind of where his eye view is. And I just turned around and looked at the at the crowd. Now I'm not going to be naive enough to think say everybody was from Stoke on Trent in that crowd or everyone was a Port Vale fan in that crowd. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Everyone had a link or whichever because. Quite honestly, people were queuing up from Wednesday. Yeah. And we'll, we'll go on to the build-up of this gig. And um, I just turned round and everyone was everyone was singing and leaning. And when I say leaning, I mean people were leaning on people that they didn't know. Yeah. They had the it was an arms round. It was it was pretty much a sit down in your nan's back room <laughs> with the radio player out and everyone having a good sing song. Mm. And that's what it was. What what he didn't do quite a lot of was what he does a lot of, and that's put the mic out in the crowd. Yeah. It was one big sing-song. It was quite... And, and that's how it felt. It just felt like a good karaoke night. The pitch was shagged after. <laughs> but it was a very, very good, good karaoke night. And one I enjoyed. I thought it was kind of weird how they put the, the stage on the side of the, of the pitch as opposed to the end. He explained it. Okay. He explained it. He said, the reason the stage is here is because when I used to watch Port Vale and they ah. were shooting this way, I'd sit here. And when they were shooting this way, I'd sit here. And it was just either side of the stage from where he used to sit or that's what he said. I, okay. I thought... I thought it looked pretty cool. I've however, never... that side does f- face the directors and owner suites and <laughs> all the sponsors and everything else. Yeah, I've, I've never seen like a, a stadium. I know Vale Park isn't a stadium but i've never seen a uh, a stadium where the stage has been at the side it's always been at the end yeah you know what i mean but to have it at the side i was like that's actually quite cool you know what i mean granted you can't fit as many people back but you can they can go wide and yeah. and it, you're looking in on the stage yeah i thought that was that was pretty good so I from wherever it. you were in vale you could see the stage pretty yeah, much yeah didn't know didn't matter where you were in port vale you could mm. see the stage or one of the huge massive screens that yeah. artists seem to carry around with them but the lead up made me giggle more than anything so as you know i live a 10 minute walk 10 minute from walk yeah, yeah it's yeah. actually 12 minutes because that week it was half term yeah the kids were off school and they were they had a coaching thing at port vale every day so that entire week i was walking over yeah, the bank yeah. to port vale and every single day i saw from monday to friday the build up of the robbie williams concert and it's a big gig to put yeah, on you yeah. see that but one thing that did make me laugh was and I was surprised that was the loyalty of the Robbie Williams community. Mm-hmm. Do you know there was people queuing there from Wednesday? Yeah, I saw it. Saw there was it. a tent village Yeah, from Wednesday queuing up ahead of the Saturday 9.30, kick, 9 o'clock kickoff that Robbie was kicking off on. Mm-hmm. And there was people there at that time of the morning on a Wednesday. Yeah, I also heard that um, it didn't. nobody really benefited from the queues either. No. Um, because they just opened. Right, I'm sorry. I swear to God, 
somebody has just I, walked past I, I, you. I've just seen somebody walk past the back of me. I've just seen a shadow I go past. I swear they were just carrying a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> a mattress has just gone bobbly by <laughs> the window. <laughs> what was that? Anyway, um, yeah, so it was like people have been queuing up outside like one of the gates and then they just opened another gate the other side. <laughs> I, well, there was two entrances to port to the gig. There was the gate at Bycars, which yeah, yeah. I don't think... I think the problem was everybody queuing up didn't know how Port Vale was port, yeah, and yeah. how the gig was done. So what they did, they opened up the front and the back entrance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, matron. So, matron. <laughs> so you've got all these guys from Wednesday religiously um, queuing here. So you imagine being third in that queue. Mm-hmm. I'd be the, being the most annoyed person in that queue. I'd be with second, third, fourth and fifth. Because you've got there just behind first and you're not aware that gate opens round the back. You're also not aware that no one else is aware that that gate's opening yeah. round the back as well until about the t- same time the front gate opens, to which everybody just walking out the back of the field goes, oh, that's good. I can just <laughs> cut through and go straight to go the Go to that one. Yeah. No, no, they weren't going watching. So all these people that you could see, the people that had come from, that had lived in right, Stoke yeah, and yeah, the people yeah. that were Robbie fans, remember? So you had the thousand people that were Robbie loyalists, royalists, shall we say. Yeah. Royalists, I'll go with Royalists. Yeah, with, uh, yeah, yeah, I like it. So they all got in straight away, straight to the front of the stage. Everybody else went straight through the other side, straight across the pitch, straight through the other doors, and straight <laughs> to the pub. And that was pretty... They used Vale Park as a cut-through. As a cut-through. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But what time's you on stage? Nine o'clock. Bloody hell, it's six. Pub. <laughs> and that was the end of that. But absolutely brilliant gig. And I hope, I hope he does it again. But I hope this time when he does it again, it's an actual Robbie Williams gig. And not a charity gig. And not a charity gig. Charity, a lot charity. of great things he did for charity. Charity. Um, who else have I seen this year? Who else have you seen this who year? Who else have I seen you this year? You went to see Mr Sheeran. I did go you to see Ed Sheeran. Sheeran. You had a, you had some comp tickets, I believe. I had a I had a VIP experience. A couple, couple of comp tickets. At the, for, at the Etihad. With your, uh, was that last Sunday or the Sunday before? Schmoozing with the higher-ups. like It was the Sunday <laughs> before. And I've got to say, Ed Sheeran doing his gig was amazing. Mm. He loops everything while he's on stage. He's pure busker. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to record this bit first, guy. <laughs> play. Then he does that bit, and then he goes across and ticka ticka jing play. So you've got ticka jing, and he does it all on an eight loop, and it's all lovely and everything else. And then he starts to play and everything. Else. It's brilliant, Dave. I just don't feel Ed Sheeran. I know what you mean. Yeah, I, uh, the, 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 uh, he can I, write a fucking song. He can. He can write make, a song. Jesus. He can write. Don't 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 get me wrong. But it was a nice gig. It wasn't your karaoke theme mm, of Robbie. It wasn't a good drinking. The Etihad's fucking huge as well, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? He's not like, very good. That's a. He's, he's not very good live. Yeah, he's very, I remember watching. Sorry, him. he's very good live, but he's not very good live. I remember watching him on it might have been Sky Arts or something when the first album had come out. So it was just like in a small hall, and and I think it works in a small hall, but in a massive stadium like the Etihad with and you one guy and a guitar, it just doesn't it, work. I think the atmosphere would probably get quite lost in yeah. that. 
Whereas somebody like, let's say, take that, who did yeah. big stadiums, and I know there's only five of them, but the, the the show that they put on, you know what I mean, with the the dancers and with the pyro and with the lights and with everything and with all that kind of stuff, like. Oh, and don't get me wrong, Mr. Sheeran had a hologrammatic thing. He had so, yeah. so he had a round stage. He was like he was like a piece of sushi. So <laughs> he had a round stage that went round in circles, obviously, because it's round, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wandered around there with his guitar, when I'm cleaning windows, uh, all the way around it. You know, I've always felt the same way about Ed. Um, <laughs> and he walked around and he did his samples and it's all fantastic. And he had his big screen that came down over the top of it with butterflies yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like that. And it was all fantastic. And it lifted up and then he, he started to sing. He's just not very engaging. Okay. He's just okay. not... He comes across to me like the kind of guy who I could probably go for a few beers with and have a good night, but also the kind of guy who isn't very interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the kind of guy you go out with for a few beers, but it'd only be a few beers. Yeah. He's not the type you with till five o'clock in the morning in a kitchen. Uh, all right, Ed, shut up now, mate. You yeah, know what I mean? it's <laughs> like... I, 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 he, He's just very nice. Hmm. He's very southern. And that's know, probably the best way to describe him. You you went to see a guy with just one guitar and his and his voice. I also went to see a guy with just one guitar and his voice as well. Um, I went to see Bob Mould. Oh. Um, now, the difference with me and Cleon over the last few weeks is Cleon's been to these massive gigs. He's been to Robbie at, at Vale Park and he's been to Ed Sheeran at the Etihad. I, yes, yes. I went to the Sugar Mill, which is our local uh, dive venue. Not to put it um, down. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful venue, beautiful and venue. it sounds ama- amazing. Did you still say Newcastle Brown? It is, I believe so. Yeah. It's fantastic. Place. It was very very hot, so I was drinking fruity cider. <laughs> uh, you have to have a fruity cider when it's really hot. Um, so I went to see Supergrass as we just as we just uh, discussed, and uh, they were brilliant. Um, but just the proper professionals, you know what I mean? Mm. They didn't miss a beat. They were ace. And uh, and then uh, a couple of weeks later, I went to see Bob Mould. And he is is on what he calls the Solo Electric Tour. So it's literally him, his Strat, and an amplifier. That's it. Nothing else. He ain't got no loop pedals or nothing like. No. But he's playing guitar like he's got his band with him. Like so, he's playing his his electric guitar and he's playing his guitar solos. And but there's no backing band. There's nothing. And he's screaming his balls off down the microphone like his band's with him. I have never seen somebody a sweat so much during a gig, <laughs> and b put so much energy into a gig. Um, and yeah, absolutely. But was he engaging? Fucking brilliant! Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> very engaging. Um, and he did come up to the mic at one point and say, "With me, you, you either get I either don't shut up talking or I don't talk at all." And this is one of them nights because my throat's very tired. Um, and but he was he was. He was talking, and he was playing, and he, he he only played for like an hour and 15, maybe. But I swear he played about 300 songs. He was just one into the next, into the next, into the next. And the crowd were loving it, and he was getting them going. Um, and uh, brilliant. I didn't know what to expect, because, like I say, it was just him and a guitar and amp, no mm-hmm. band. But Jesus Christ, he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. One of the best parts of the night for me, anybody who's been following me on Instagram will know... You know, I'm part of this like vinyl community online, yeah. and uh, and I've been able, I've been very fortunate to be able to meet a few people that I've met online. I've, I'm doing that thing where you meet strangers on the internet. You're not yeah, really supposed yeah, to do that. Yeah. Um, now you're about two weeks away from getting raped. Yeah, last last year, <laughs> last year I met um, 
uh, my mate Scotty, who um, he's he's, a, he's quite local actually, and he did live in Stoke for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some mutual friends. I was able to meet Scotty uh, this year. I was able to meet um, uh, Rena, a lady called Rena from uh, Vienna, mm-hmm. and sh- we should have been going to see Royal Blood in Manchester, but the gig got cancelled because the, um, the one of them got COVID. Uh, but she'd already booked flights and hotels and everything, so she came over anyway. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'll go say hello because she's like in Manchester on her own. She's never yeah. been before. Jumped on a train, went up. We had some coffee. We went record shopping. It was really really nice. Um, uh, she's so lovely, and uh, so it was dead nice to, to to meet Rena. And then she came over again a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I was able to meet her again, and I met um, uh, a lady called Deb, who's, um, I think she is from Manchester, Deb is, and, uh, and we had coffee and whatnot, that was lovely. So at this gig, um, there's a guy called Ian, who's part of the vinyl community, like, now he, he lives quite close, and uh, he booked his tickets ages ago, um, I, I messaged him saying, look, Bob Mould's coming local, he's playing like Chester and Stoke and you know are, are you going to any of them and he's like oh i've already got me, me tickets for the sugar mill i was like well i'm gonna get one i'll i'll see you when you're there and we'll, we'll have a beer or something now um ian makes like movie props and models and things for a living he's very 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 good anybody that wants to check his stuff out just look for 3d assemble on um instagram He's very good. But one of the things he's he's done is, you know, these pop vinyl figures that I've got a mm-hmm. lot of, um, he has made custom pop vinyl figures that you can't buy. You know, think, think for, for artists and stuff that um, they don't have a pop vinyl figure. Now, Bob Mould doesn't have a pop vinyl figure. And Ian um, made a um, pop vinyl figure of Bob Mould. And it's he literally from scratch hand-painted, handmade, and it's absolutely brilliant. He did the box. He calls them Punkos. Can't call them Funkos, obviously. He calls yeah, them yeah, Punkos. Yeah. And he made, he did the box. He did everything. And uh, it looked amazing. Anyway, he brought it with him. And we were right. They didn't have the barriers up um, at the mill. We were right by the stage. And it, 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 there was this, this chain of events that happened. Um, his, his wife and his son were there. And uh, who were lovely, by the way. It was really nice to meet the whole family. And by a complete accident, his missus poked his son in the eye, right? Right. <laughs> um, he turned round as her hand went up and she poked him in the eye. Now, Bob Mould, middle of a song, sees that he's in a bit of discomfort and he finishes the song and he made a point of stopping saying, look, is he okay? Do we need to get some help? And, uh, and she just explained what had happened, that he's fine and whatnot. So in that moment, Ian saw his chance and he pulls this Funko Pop that he's made out and, and he's like, Bob, and he waved it at him, I've got this for you. And he, he, Bob catches it and he, and he takes it off him and he's like, oh my God, what is this? And he's like, you made this? And he's like, yeah. And he got him up on stage and they had a you know, conversation and whatnot and a uh, you know, hug, handshake and everything. And... It was such a lovely moment to witness. Now, yeah. Ian has loved Bob Mould for 30-odd years. Um, and so for him to get on stage and actually meet him at this gig and you know shake hands and yeah. to be able to give him this gift that he's made for him, um, I just thought it was beautiful. And then at the end of the night, Bob Mould finishes up, disappears. And um, the support act came through the, the crowd and found Ian and said, are you the guy that made the figure? And he's like, yeah, she's like, come with me. 
he goes upstairs. Next thing you know, he's in the green room with Bob Mole for like half an hour. And oh, um, so he got to meet him. They were just chatting about music, apparently. Like, he, he came back out. We were the... There was me, his wife, and his kid were the last people in the sugar mill. Like, literally, the bar staff had left. The doorman had left. They said we could stay there because we were waiting for him. And there was just the, you know, the management upstairs. Like, and we were just in there. It was like, um... <laughs> so he came back downstairs. And he said, he said it was so cool. He said, you know, they, they were just chatting about music and about bands. And he said it was like sitting with an old friend just talking about music. So it was wicked. And there's some photos up on Instagram and whatnot of him meeting him. But so nice to witness that. So, you know, I, I get to meet this guy who I've known for a couple of years. And then to actually see that happen as well. Brilliant. Such a good night. So, yeah, when you say engaging with the crowd... Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see, in my mind, that's how my that's how the Robbie Williams gig and a night went as well. Oh yeah, but it really didn't. It didn't. No, no, no. no. You no, got a kebab went home. <laughs> I didn't even get a kebab to be honest with you. It just took me an hour and a half to get home. Oh, because they're getting out of the park. No, oh, no, we just, I, I we just wandering around just singing. And I, I'm, I'm, I, we're still unsure of which route I took home Jesus that God. night, but I think it was via Kids Grove. Oh, instead of yeah. just coming yeah, walking up it. and over yeah. the bike I, I don't know which way which way I went but I know I went through I, cut, I did a cut through Bradley Fields <laughs> but no that's that that's genuinely really good so did Bob Mole did he take a picture of his, his thing and it's yeah um, so there was <laughs> oh, oh okay so okay sorry guys hello Siri hello Siri <laughs> sorry about that David sorry <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listen to the podcast. Um, yeah, there was plenty of pictures taken. So I got some, me and Messi's got some, and there was a couple of guys at the front as well who videoed it, and they came up to Ian at the end, and they were like, look, you know, we've got this videoed, so give us your email address, we'll get it over to you. Um, and like I say, they're all on, they're on, there's some on my Instagram, uh, there's some on Ian's. If you, You'll see the post on my Instagram, because I'm holding a Bob Mould record, and it was in, in the last few days. And then Ian's tagged on there, mm-hmm. and uh, his pages, his three D assemble pages, tagged through his vinyl page as well. So, uh, but some of the stuff he makes is is phenomenal. What he what he does. Um, we should get really, one made for the show. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, I ain't got that sort of money. Like, How much are they? This is this this is like yeah, it's not cheap, man. We're not talking Toys R Us money. It's, oh, we're not. This is bespoke, handmade, custom ordered shit like it's yeah well, if, you're, if you're listening do you want to sponsor a podcast <laughs> we can take payments in form of dolls dolls yeah yeah we can do that oh, we will add that you way. in um yeah so uh, now it's we're at that part of the show now where normally i'd be going okay it's time to wrap up um but we've been away for so long i'm i'm more than happy to do it I've, I've got to keep going i've got other stuff going too, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more than happy to do an extended episode Claire. it's going to be an extended episode so that's okay let's keep going let's do what else is happening it does help that you were on time this week it does help that i was on time I'm, it's, a, it's a new thing <laughs> for you're early actually it's a new yeah. thing for me now i'm always on time uh movies what have we done since the last september top gun maverick top gun maverick tom cruise well done massively unbelievable due to some of the heights that you're flying at and the speed you're flying at but it is a movie and it was an absolutely good great one do you know what right with with the uh the hype of remakes and things like that i always i always reference like jurassic world i've not seen the new one yet i've heard it shit no, um, neither have I, and I so, so um when i went to see jurassic world 
uh, I think I got caught up in the nostalgia of it, like remembering Jurassic Park from when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was very, very disappointed with it. Um, you know, I came out of the cinema quite deflated and I was like, Ugh. I think they just tried to make it one big nostalgia fest and it didn't work. Um, I didn't like the film at all. So I remember we were talking on the way to the cinema, me and yourself, and we both said we're not expecting anything from no, this no, film. We were, we're not expecting we anything. We were so from low. It. it was unbelievable. Like, but let's just go see it. And I came out, and at one point I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think that is the best film I've ever seen in my life. It was, Do you know what I it think? It was he- so good. The cast. The soundtrack, the uh, the storyline, uh, yeah. everything about it, it that perfect balance of nostalgia and modern movie. Yeah. The perfect balance. It was brilliant. It's such a good film. I think the way he kind of chronicled Maverick's grief. Yeah. Of yeah, yeah. What he suffered and then his return from that same place from where he's been hiding mm-hmm. for this best part of twenty years. And for him to return there and then to see everything again through the eyes of the first film, The Nostalgia. Yeah. I think if you've gone through grief, if you've suffered any form of grief in your life or you've had a big, massive grief at any point, I think it's a perfect movie and it kind of chronicles it brilliant. But what it does do is it brings it to a conclusion. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. yeah. And it stops the movie. It doesn't do it quite to the same of James Bond. But it does stop the movie. And I was really glad that he didn't go down that Daniel Craig path. Mm. And what I mean by that is killing off the character. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's... It, it, it was a very, very, very good film. I was very happy with it. Very impressed. Um, there's been uh, another couple of... Another film I was massively happy with. That's right, I've got loads wrote down, David, so I can key off. Another movie I was really happy by, and it's my favourite Marvel franchise in that Spider-Man. Yep. I thought, oh, what's the new one called? I've got Homecoming stuck in my head no, and it's not Homecoming. Long, no no Way Home? No Way Home? No Way Home. Oh, no, that was the other one. No, I thought that was Far From Home. It was Far From Home? Anyway, the new Spider-Man movie from Marvel um, I thought was brilliant. Yeah, no Way Home. No Way Home. Brilliant as well. It's got that, we're very nostalgic oh, at the moment, me. are we? Ace. It, we're very it nostalgic yeah. at the cinema at the I moment. Just like wow, they've got it right. Uh, they got it right. How, uh, they they could have really majorly balls that film up. They got it perfect. It, the, the, one, it the one thing I'll say about DC, the Batman side of things, which we'll get into in two seconds, is what they have done famously. Shit, they have, that as well, yeah, they <laughs> have they have ballsed up pretty much the majority of the DC universe. They've gone through it like a, a dipstick, like a. A wasp of the machine gun. Yeah. And they have, and they have. But the one thing Marvel have done really well since Iron Man number one is they, ha- they haven't really missed that much of a beat. Yeah. yeah <laughs> what I'm doing, a- I'm thinking of my next sentences yeah. just about to come down the line. There's been a couple of bomb films. Oh, oh, there's a really big one. I mean? <laughs> oh, cracky. I watched it last night. Um, but the Spider Man with Tom Holland, he's, he's probably the best cast Spider Man that I have ever ever seen he's very good i don't think he's i i don't think he's my favorite spider-man i really like andrew garfield do you i think as spider-man i think andrew garfield was brilliant as i didn't like the second film necessarily i thought the first one was fine the amazing spider-man um but the i didn't particularly like the second film but i thought andrew garfield as spider-man was brilliant Mm. um uh, Tom Holland is very, very good as well. I, you know I what just... I mean. It's just, he is, yeah. Um, and and you know what, Tobey Maguire, they were good films. 
They don't get they me wrong. Good films. I, they were a I don't film think... I turned up for straight away. I, I was there on the opening night. I don't think Sony have done. I don't think they've done anything wrong with with the with the Spider-Man movies. You know what I mean. And now, now we've got this multiverse. It's opened the door for more for more Spider-Mans. And um, on on the Spider-Man thing, Venom. Um, uh, oh, the, I I enjoyed Venom. <laughs> Did you? Let there be carnage. Did you? It was all right. Did you? I didn't think it was as good as the first one. I didn't think it was as good as Pain Drain. I was like, <laughs> I wow. I didn't think it was as good as the first one. Tom, I can't believe you've done this. It was all right. It, it was it, all right. It could have been done. I've seen worse films. <laughs> do, do you know what they did wrong about... We're on Venom now, so we'll just flip from Spider-Man to Venom. Uh, so we stay uh, yeah, within yeah. the universe. Yeah. Let there be carnage. What I think they did too much was they bought too much of a voice to Venom. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm with you on that. They one, went yeah. too far with the puppetry. Mm. Just, just, it didn't need to go that next level. But having that, and giving him a script as well. Yeah, having that whole thing with with Spider Man and with the multiverse and with, you know, only people that know Peter Parker as Spider Man all kind of coming into that universe. Yeah. Um, it just opened so many doors for other other films now you know what i mean it's mm. like you know we can have a spider-man in venom which which spider-man is tom holland is venom's spider-man tom holland is it tom holland yeah yeah watch the um, credits for let there be carnage oh no i have done and tom holland did not i don't think so he's in all the really? end credits for one of them oh i'll check it again i can't see marvel There's this too is many the biggest problem with end credits um but yeah there's room there's room for loads of cool little like crossovers and stuff now um yeah spider-man the next film that we also went to go watch was the batman the batman or batman was it the the batman was it the batman or batman Batman. which was a great take um it was a noir copy of the film watched it the first time came out thinking that's the best film i've ever seen as far as Batman goes, because they shot it in a very Arkham Asylum games yeah. kind of yeah. feel, didn't they? And I thought, that's the best Batman movie I've seen yet. And you thought the same? Yeah, I, went I to enjoyed watch, it. I went to watch it the second... I've watched it a second time and gone, oh, my God, that really wasn't as good as I thought it was. <laughs> and then I've watched it a third time and thought, oh, my God, that's still the best film I've ever seen. So... I suppose you have to be in the mood for it. I suppose yeah. it's a massive, massive mood mood film, and it depends on where you are. And the one thing I'm really looking forward on this one is the arc. Yeah. Because they've started a Batman franchise off perfectly. Mm. They've started it off with year one, and they've put the arc of everybody hates him, doesn't really like him, all of a sudden he's just on that arc of being liked. So the next one, he'll have all the gadgets and the Joker and everything will be there. Mm. And he'll be able to expand on what no director, just in my opinions, ever expanded on, and that's Gotham. Okay. If you notice from the film, he uses a massive, a bit like a computer game, yeah, a massive storyboard, and the characters go to each point of said storyboard. But before they go there, you've got the, the narrator telling everybody where they go. Okay. As the night, it's, as my sign is <laughs> the sky, or whatever he just says. I just think it's really well done as a world film. Yeah, I I, um, I enjoyed it. I didn't expect much from it because I don't expect much from any DC movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I thought, and I like Robert Pattinson as Batman. 
I, I genuinely I like Rojas in the Batman. I, I do, mate. Um, There's I nothing thought, wrong in saying it. I, I've thought said he, it. Uh, I thought he did a really good job. Really we good both said it leaving the cinema. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it was cool. He well, was cool. I'm quite like Rope Pass Runners Batman, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Gabe. It's, not, it's all right, Dave. It's not an admission of anything. It's, it's quite fine. Uh, and then coming up to the very, very last movie that I watched, and it was last night, and I should have known better because I've watched these type of movies before and I didn't like it, and this one's just really poor, and it's Doctor Strange and the Multitude of Madness. Yeah. Did you have any clue what was going on through I, the entire movie? I had. I knew what was going on through the film. We went to the cinema to see it. I knew what was going on through the film, and I left the cinema going... Oh, what a hard dear. watch. Oh, dear. I didn't think it was a hard watch. I I I understood what they were going for. I understood the story. Um, the 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 nice little cameos in there. Um, but I just thought it was very weak as a film. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I I quite liked Doctor Strange, the 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 origin movie, Doctor Strange. So did I. It was all right. Um, you know, not not one of my favourite. Marvel movies, but it was okay. And this one, I just thought, like, with especially with Spider Man being as good as it was, I just thought, oh, you know what, they could do so much with this. Yeah, like, they yeah, could have yeah. the cameos That's in exactly there. That's exactly what I you was there have, for last you know, night. Yeah. Fucking, like, you know, Wolverine could be any. Tom Cruise was in it yeah. as Iron Man. You could have, you could do so much stuff with it. And the story could have been better as well, but. I was just a bit like, I was quite disappointed. I'm like, this is. Did you feel as though cameos were for cameos' sake? I think. Um, no, no, I don't. Maybe, um, and I don't. Th- th- there will be spoilers for this, guys. Uh, but it is on Disney Plus now, so I kind of feel like if you haven't seen anything, that's your fault. So I think maybe Professor X was a bit pointless. That, yeah, that just seemed for the sake of being there. But I like how, like the other ones were. It was the character was the cameo and not the actor because yeah. if like Hugh Jackman had turned up as Wolverine the actor's the cameo there into, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. but because we had you know um, a different Mr. Fantastic you know what I mean mm. uh, it was a, it was a, um, John John Krasinski yeah um, Emily Blunt's husband that's all I've got to go through yeah. my mind uh, because you know it was a different person somebody who hasn't played him in in the previous films mm-hmm. D- dude i mean i was just like well he originally shot for captain america didn't he i don't know yeah mm. he did you know he originally shot for captain america so hmm. straight away i went you should have made him captain america in that well, cameo this is the thing that i was thinking like if you think of the previous fantastic four films the first two um chris evans played human torch yeah. you could have had chris evans you could have had captain america Come in as Human Torch, and you could have had John Krasinski coming in as Captain America, and you could have had Michael B. Jordan, yeah, who was in the other Fantastic Four movie, yeah, who played Human Torch. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could have had one of them two coming in, who, you know, Michael B. Jordan obviously being in um, Black Panther. Um, you could have had one of them come in and play this other character that they've played in another universe. See, I you know would I mean? have. We, we, you missed a job there, Dave, big time. Yeah. You, you, Marvel, listen to this. You're on. You've got a new job, like they did with um, One Division, where they had the other Quicksilver. Yeah, you know what I mean. You could have had something like that, but you know, I think. But I think having the new the new actors play these characters and the characters with a cameo, not the actor, that was kind of cool. But having Professor X there. 
um was i think that was just there for the sake of being there mm. um and like i say i thought the film was a little bit weak um and i left the cinema going okay well that's just the next story in in the yeah. in the marvel universe and we can forget we've done that one now we can forget about it like i did with thor like i did with thor dark world i didn't oh, like them films that was you know what i mean you know i'm so glad that um ragnarok was as good as it was can't wait for you know what what I mean? and i can't wait for the Have next you one see you know the trailers I mean? for yeah. that it just um, seems exactly the same greatness as the one before but you know uh, i've watched it it's there uh, i know what's happened we'll move on you know i'm enjoying the um the seasons on disney you know that is this this new phase i'm enjoying you know i enjoy enjoying the seasons i've started watching um ms marvel and it's okay. I'm building into I like that. It. I like I'm it. Building into that. I have, I've just remembered one other movie I've been watching. Lightyear. Oh, yeah. Have you seen Lightyear? I've seen Lightyear. Lightyear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the, 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 the hardest part about Lightyear is the first 10 minutes where it's Chris Evans' voice. <laughs> not, it, and not um, Tim Allen. Tim Allen, and it's not Tim Allen's voice. So <laughs> that's the hardest part of the film. It's a great film. It is a great film. I will. The trailer looks wicked. I, yeah, yeah. I will say this, Disney. I understand that a company would stand behind a community, but you don't need to stand behind the community and bang the drums so effing loud. And pick out of that of what you will. <laughs> All right? But crack you, Riley Disney. Take a chill pill. You're not supposed to be political and everything else. And at this moment in time... You seem to be very, 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 very political. Everything centred around within Disney at this moment in time. It's very LGBTQ, LGBTQ, V plus. plus, I'm not sure now. And and I've got no, and I'm not gay bashing. I'm not (laughs) putting anything down. I'm not saying we say that for ages. No, 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 no. Because because I'm not. You know me. I'm I'm not whatsoever. But Disney pump the brakes a little bit. Christ, in in every Disney movie now. You are pushing the envelope, so you are. Pl- I understand you're putting it into people into children's consciousness, but just have a think out of the the bigger ramifications of everything. Of well, this, just pump the brakes a bit. I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's just representation, isn't it? Where it's not, not where it's not been represented before. Um, it, it feels as though the world and the world that we're living in at the moment, it's like we've just discovered the race that is female. Yeah. Right, and what we're going to do, we're going to do a massive push for everything that's female and everything that's kind of minority. Unless you're America, because they then we're going to just going to repress them. Uh, but that's the, <laughs> the, this. This is kind of what I'm we'll getting. Get to this is what I'm getting at now. So we can segue into America now. America seems to think that they are the hub and the foundation for the entire world, and that attitude's now falling into their big corporations, and that attitude's now being spewed out to everybody yeah. else. Just pump the brakes a bit, Disney. Just, mm. just, just take a chill pill. I like the rainbow. Goonies, Goonies would, Goonies would never have been made now. There's loads of films that have never been made now, but I, I, I think that's just progression. I, think I, it's progression. I, I do think it's you progression, but there's progression and there's uh, progression forming oppression. 
I think we go, we, we come from an era where we can watch, because it's what we grew up around, we can watch a film with some risky things in, but things that wouldn't be made these days. We can watch them. Oh, oh Dave, we grew up with Euro trash. Yeah, we can watch them <laughs> and, and we can find them funny because we grew up around that that kind of humor so we understand where it's coming from um whereas you know there's a, a younger generation now that you know they they even something like from 20 years ago you know things like bo selector and little britain you know what i mean mm. th- th- there's a generation now that would watch them and go this isn't funny this is just horrible this is just offensive. He'd be right about Little Britain. Yeah. And, <laughs> and because we progress as a society, we progress. And, you know, it's okay for us to sit there and watch these comedies and laugh or watch these shows and and go, that's okay. Um, as, as long as we... You put everything into context. It's all in context. You know, this was made at a time when things like this would were norm and we've now progressed as a society where this this won't get made again but we're not going to delete it we're not going to say oh we can't watch that anymore yeah we, yeah we can watch it in its context like song of the south can we watch song of the south i'm not sure um you know it's in it's in context you know yeah, yeah. and and one of the things i don't agree with with disney is removing things well, you knew that was where my volley was yeah. coming from next we're removing things from um you can you can age restrict, can't you? Profiles on Disney Plus, yeah. and there's a there's Disney classics that have been age restricted because of old fashioned stereotypes, and I don't agree with that. Don't don't age restrict things because of old fashioned stereotypes, you know, like the racist crows in Dumbo. Mm. Um, but what I would prefer to see is a disclaimer at the at the start of the show. These were made Just, at yeah, such a time. This was made in a period of time where this was the social norm. Uh, this, you know, Disney, we don't no longer represent, these views are no longer represented by Disney, blah, 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 blah. There's the context. Enjoy the film. Hmm. Um, like the, the, the Beatles, once again, the Get Back documentary, I think at the beginning of every episode of that, it's, it says things like, will contain a footage of smoking. Yeah. And it's so, like, to me, I'm like, and? But when you think about it, how long has smoking been banned in pubs for? This is where I'm getting you know at. I mean? This is where I'm getting at. We're but just too- just have that disclaimer. That, that, that's what I mean. But that, dis- don't, that, don't- dis- that disclaimer in the travel that we're heading on, in the route of travel, brings me round to where I was coming from, the entitlement of everybody. Right, okay. I shouldn't have to watch this. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. Have you not noticed that Karens are multiplying at a rapid rate in today's society? Yeah. Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I like, but I do, I love that as an option. it's It's like getting a medal for finishing last in a sports race. Okay, so the 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 I I don't I shouldn't have to watch this. Are you saying that from a um, like I shouldn't have to watch this, so you can't make it? Point of view. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, I, I obviously I'm all for the choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, so I'm like, well, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Don't watch it. Then. Don't watch it. Then change the channel. Yeah. It's literally like this isn't this isn't the fucking eighties. There mm-hmm. isn't one, two, three, and four. It's like you. Th- <laughs> it goes up to four thousand eight hundred ninety-nine. So now. many things you can watch now. <laughs> literally, this is TV on demand. You yeah. can just press stop. Yeah, just stop it. Just yeah. stop it. That's not for me. 
that's for some people but it's not for me now granted there are things out there that i wouldn't like to be out in the public domain you know what i mean um but for, for, for little little fucking things like i don't know cleon let's just say there's a scene in a film where two men are getting married and what oh, there, no. might, there might be somebody that gets offended by that well don't watch it then just change the channel. But you shouldn't have to put a disclaimer on just for this one person you can get this. Do you see where I'm coming from? No. This okay, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is where I'm coming from. What, what I think we're, for, we're for trying to cater too much for the entire population. I think for the more extreme things, like when you do go back, if you go back, you know, decades and older films. Now, if Scum was on telly at nine o'clock at night, that yeah. should have a disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. If you go back decades and, you know, older films, I'm going to bring up Song of the South again, which will never go on Disney Plus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rich white family owns a business that, quote unquote, employs mainly black people. It's a slave plantation, right? Mm. That's not going to go on Disney Plus again. Nope. But let's say it was. Let's say it did. Having that disclaimer at the beginning of this film going, this is what life was like in such and such year whenever it came out. These are the stereotypes of the time. You know, Disney do is not represented by these stereotypes anymore. Um, he, this is your warning. Some yeah. of this stuff may offend you. But Don't watch it if you think it's going to. Wouldn't you find Disney a much richer, more, more richer company if they had that on their back catalogue? Because I would, because mm. then it then it would show then it would show pretty much from this point. Look at how we've progressed all yeah. the way through to this point. Yeah, and you could pretty much catalogue and you could catalogue and categorise society mm. over the past. I don't know how old Disney is. Seventy five years. I remember it. Nineteen thirty eight. I remember it. Seventy five year yeah. anniversary cake of some sort, and they could have everything correct order all the way through from the Disney. This was, we can call this the Dark Ages, and we could have Goofy. 98 years, the Walt Disney Company. 98 years, so we could call this the Dark Ages, and we could have Goofy representing the Dark Ages, or one of them characters. Do you see where I'm coming from? And Mm. and go all the way through. I think that would just be a bit more of an honest way to do things, but that's my little two pieces (laughs) on that. On a bit more of a positive side of things, Dave, we've also had the Queen's Jubilee this year. We are the Queen's Jubilee. Um, Yeah, calm. Didn't she look amazing, Dave? She didn't turn up. Well, she turned up for one. She turned up for one of them. She turned up for more than Harry and Meghan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as amazing as she was, you could start to see now without a, without a make way at her side or a, a steadfast at the side. She's starting to look a lot old now. Isn't she's she? yeah, I don't think she's got much much. No, no, neither do I. And you had standout performances from Prince George, but the one thing, <laughs> the one thing I, <laughs> he did make. Was, was it George or was it Louis? I think it was. I think it was Louis. Was it Louis? Louis? Yeah. Was it Louis or George? It was Louis, I think. Was it Louis? Yeah. Yeah, he was just not impressed by the Spitfire, the Red <laughs> Arrows. Uh, and he did pretty much what every normal boy of that age does when his mum says, stand still and don't move. I'm going to do everything yeah. all at the same time then. Um, and the ha- the best thing was about that day was Prince Harry and his boring wife, Meghan Markle, in a back room looking out of a window, which I really, really, really liked. I've, I've, I'm I indifferent just, about the royals. I, you know, I, I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bothered about the royal family. I just don't like the story arc that's been around Queen, because as far as a monarch goes, 
in the last 70 years she's probably she's the she's pretty much the og do you know like we were talking about this in the house when the jubilee thing was on like there's there's generation there's a generation of people that have only ever known one monarch us being one of them that have died only ever knowing one One monarch monarch. you know what i mean and then if you just go back like to just before queen elizabeth there was like a string of them (laughs) <laughs> there's yeah. quite a few of them in, the, in that in that short period of time but we i think we are living in an era now where we could potentially see three yeah because you know queen out much got much gas left in the tank like i said i don't think she has you know what i mean no, no. i did honestly and i mean this with no disrespect i didn't think she would last much longer after philip died I thought she would go... Well, we're only a year off, aren't we, now, I think? Yeah, I I thought she would go pretty soon, you know. I genuinely thought she would die of a broken heart, you know what I mean? Um, And, you know, she's still with us, barely, I think. Um, And then, you know, we're going to have Charles. And he's also... How old is Charles? 70-something. 70-something. 70-something, you know what I mean? We still have 20 years, though, with Charles. But we still have 20 years, but that only makes us, like, in his 50s. Well... 40, yeah, yeah, in, in his 50s. 50s, 50s, 60s. Yeah, no, you know 50s. I mean? How old are you? It'd be in my 50s, Dave. Yes. Yes, yeah. 50s. Okay, we'll say 50s. Late right. 50s. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, we could have 20 years of him. We could have 25 yeah. years of him. We could live yeah. till the grand old age of whatever. Um, but I, I think it's feasible that we will see William take the throne. I think you know what I mean? Will. Before we pass away, you know what I mean? I think we will. Oh, easy before we go. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely see William take the throne. I think that'll be it. Don't think we'll we'll get any more, unless there's some horrible accident. I, 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 I either think something's going to go on between Charles and William that may mean that one or the other doesn't take the throne and it goes immediately to William's son. To, yeah, to George. And it goes straight to King George. Hmm. I see. I've always, I've always said, like, I don't know if Charles would take it. So I don't know if Charles will get it, or if he'll just go like Queen Mother, but the yeah, whatever it is for a, for a bloke. Yeah, the King Father, the King Father. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be King. You would still be Prince. He'd be Prince something. The Prince, whatever, yeah. whatever, whichever he would be, um, and then will it become the King? Or is it Harry that becomes a king? William. Yeah, William that becomes a king, sorry. Harry's like... Oh, Harry's not even close. He's about ninth or 10th now. He's about ninth or 10th, yeah. yeah. You've got all the kids of um, William and the, uh, William and his missus first in line. Oh, it could be sixth. Yeah, so you've got... I think it'll go to George, I do. I think mm. it'll go straight to ha- straight to William, and then it'll go straight to George, obviously. Really? But yeah, we're definitely living in an era where we could see more than, more than the one monarch. Um... I did some family family tree stuff for for my lady a couple of years back. Yeah. And her great auntie Rose um was born when Queen Victoria was still on the throne. Wow. And she died when Queen Elizabeth the second was on the throne. She lived till she was a hundred and four years old. Wow. Eighteen eighteen eighty four she was born and she died in nineteen eighty eight. That. It's crazy the amount of the you think you think the amount of 1998. 1988. 1888. 
Yeah, seen England pick up the World Cup. England pick up the World Cup. Lose many others. The birth of radio and television. Satellite. Satellite. Space travel. Um, Flight travel. Yeah. Automobile. In all fairness, Cleon, right? The opening of public beaches. The opening of public beaches. (laughs) Women being able to show their knees. Yeah. Women not being able to show their knees. Women's short skirts, long skirts. All these things that she's seen. Um, but the yeah. modernisation of society, you could call it, couldn't you, really? But yeah, what what made me think there was that, the first thing that sprung into my head was how many kings and queens has she lived under? You know what I mean? All of them, from Victoria. That's brilliant. <laughs> I, that, that's, a, that's a good one, isn't it? So I'd like, I wouldn't mind do 104 years. I'm not sure I'd like do 104 years at the moment, like, but... I'll be lucky yeah. if I get to bloody sixty-four. Yeah, Jesus we had the, we had the Queen's Jubilee. We had a jubilee, and that was and that was amazing as well. And I enjoyed uh, that in its equal measure. I went to the races with the family. You did, and I spent a small fortune. Okay. Do you know how much I won? No. Sweet FA. No. Nah. Do you know how much I lost? Uh, enough. Oh, enough change, Dave. Enough. And then there's football, and I'll bring it back round to the beautiful ones that are Newcastle upon Tyne. <laughs> what a season that was. Um, at the beginning of the season, Dave, you might have remembered, we got taken over by a small nation known as Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't sound very good, does it, this entire feedback from Newcastle? Anyway, for those who don't know, uh, last October we were taken over by a small country known as Saudi Arabia. Oil rich. And from that moment, well, not from that moment, about three weeks into that moment, we went on a team-defining run, going from bottom of the league, I think we were bottom of the league 18 games in, to a respectable 13th position, which gave us a positioning at one point in the table, just before the last two games of the season, of being second in the form table. And the only team we were behind in the form table was Liverpool. All thanks to a gentleman called Eddie Howe and a very small £98 million investment in January from <laughs> the, the Saudi Arabia uh, PIF fund. Brilliant times at Newcastle. We're signing players like money's going out of fashion. Um, the feelings back in Newcastle, in the community, it's back. And again, we're reaching out in the northeast to my family up there. And it's all winning ways, Dave. We're back on top. Yes. We're back buying players again. We're Is back that, spending yeah. money. Are you were, I mean, you were dead set that you were getting relegated. I was dead yeah. set last season. Just before the takeover, just before um, what we'll call... <laughs> I was trying to get the... Before... <laughs> I was trying to get the correct biblical term for after Mike Ashley then, but I couldn't get it quick enough through my mind. Sorry, nine months. Um, before we got taken over, we were straight on for relegation. Mm. We'd only bought one player all, all through the transfer market. And what had happened in that transfer market, um, we were also ran by a gentleman called Mr Steve Bruce. And to be honest with you, he's the most boring football manager on planet Earth. <laughs> The football was boring. The crowd didn't like it because they had no link with the owners. The owner had basically told everyone, well, we don't spend money here. We know that. And that had been the case for a very long time, as you know. And all those Newcastle fans were a miserable lot. And no joy was coming. Then all of a sudden, there was a a matter of piracy that was dropped and a quick payment of a billion pound. And the floodgates were open. and And the small company known as Saudi Arabia... We're able to buy. We're able to buy. I know it just sounds horrible. It was just so wrong. Uh, 
the country known as Saudi Arabia or the Saudi Arabia PIF fund um, was able to buy Newcastle United, even though Saudi Arabia country doesn't have a link to Newcastle United, they are still owned by Saudi uh, PIF yeah, state yeah. fund. I'm, I'm I'm not sure how that works out, but yeah, yeah, but. Positive ways. Positive ways. Uh, staying on the football mm-hmm. subject, uh, I believe. Do, do do I have to refer to you as coach now? Uh, Gaffer. Gaffer. Is that what we're going for? Gaffer. I'll go um, with Cleon uh, Clingers. <laughs> the 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 saviour, the saviour of young girls. Cleon. The saviour of City of Stoke. Yeah. Um, now I say the saviour of young girls because there was that one time where you you found that missing girl and you looked after her until she was home safe. And the time um, that girl got run over. And the time that girl got ran over. And now um, I, I believe you will be uh, coaching the which, which City of Stoke ladies team, adults. Um, oh, is it the adults one? Yeah, it's oh, the adults oh, team. Oh, I've yeah. read that wrong. No, 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 no. It's, okay. it's the ladies so the, team. It's the adults team, yeah. Okay, very, very cool. Yeah, so um, following what following last season, everyone knows kind of where what happened with City of Stoke last season. We had our first uh, Premier League uh, season to which I think I think we finished a respectable seventh eighth, um, which was brilliant. And I was the assistant manager for uh, Wayne at the beginning of the season, yeah, yeah. Wayne Simpson at the beginning of the season, uh, Craig Bloor towards the second half of the season. Great first season. However, I decided that I've kind of had enough of men's football. <laughs> it's crap, mate. Okay, I'll be honest. I will speak it on the radio. I'll speak the truth. <laughs> What is the guys, lads? What you've got to stop doing is picking and choosing what you do with your football. This is football. You start a season with a team, you create an ethos, you create a team within that small group of people. And together with that group of people, what you do is you go out to conquer and you try mm-hmm. and win as many games as a team. As you can. And if you're not a very good team, what you have to do is you have to change your tactics in order to make you a better team, to give you a fighting chance. Or, as the easy saying goes in the world, play to strengths. Yeah. What there is with men's football at this moment in time is a group of people that play on a, a high level throughout various leagues on a Saturday. Yeah. For about seven different teams as well. Right. And then what they do is they play for about seven different teams on a Sunday. Okay? So what they do is they'll go, they'll look at the fixtures. Oh, where can I definitely get a game? And where can I definitely load it today on Saturday? I know where I can. I can load it here at this place. Yeah. So then they go and play for John this week. And then on Sunday, even though they're playing on a Saturday... Now, years ago, as you know, Dave, on a Saturday level, if you were playing Saturday-level football, you'd have nothing to do with Sunday Pub League. Mm-hmm. you have nothing to do with it. It's wrong now, mate. If you're winning the Premier League on Saturday in amateur level, yeah. you will play Division 4 on a Sunday and still celebrate scoring seven goals on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's that bad. So at the end of a season, what you see is a a group of people playing for seven or eight different teams in about seven or eight finals. Right. And then celebrating how much of a great season they've had. And for me, it's internal screaming. Okay, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. So it's kind of, well, you've got to work for success. You've got to build a long-term 
success strategy. You've got to build a strategy around what you're going to do for the long term so you can build a team and you can build that ethos instead of just going for the quick, easy hit. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening too much in men's football right now. Okay. Just on the amateur side. Now, on the lady side, it's blood, thunder and guts. (laughs) I'll be brutal. I've been training with the City of Stoke ladies now for the past... Uh, I'll say three weeks since I was introduced mm-hmm. to the team and I am more than surprised and more than amazed at the level of commitment at the level of desire at the level of hunger that is pumping out from these girls pumping out from these ladies Yeah, and that's not um, a do down comment Dave that comment's a Jesus Christ you guys are lumping into each other Mm-hmm. You know, and I just didn't expect it, and it's taken me back quite a bit. And I've noticed through my daughter's team, as my daughter plays for Vale and a few others, and I've noticed around the ladies' tournament, it's kind of a feel of football was right in the eighties. Yeah, okay. It's kind of a that. there's, but I'll give you an example. I teach kids on Friday and Saturday, uh, Saturday and Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah, do with Chris Birchall. Hi, Chris. Um, and Chris Birchall's All-Stars. Plug. Uh, that's 250 quid sponsorship, yeah, me, Chris. <laughs> um, so what and what happens in these mornings? Now, if a, if a girl gets kicked in the mornings, Dave, what do you think happens? Uh, what do I, if a girl gets kicked if in the morning? A girl gets kicked playing football. Uh, let's say she's seven years old. She gets kicked. What do you think happens? Does she get up and carry on playing? Yeah. Yeah. She gets up and carries on playing harder than what she was before. Mm-hmm. What happens when a lad gets kicked? Um, does he not get up? Starts crying. Yeah, and he has a little bit of a moan. Starts crying, rolling around, really, really over-exuberating. Whereas you don't get that with the ladies. Yeah. I don't know why. I, 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 I genuinely don't know why. I'd imagine your bear goes into beast mode as well. She goes into like a different level beast mode. <laughs> and what what I've had to do with Bo, just speaking on Bo, what I've had to do with Bo is teach it aggression. Yeah. Because that's kind of, you know, you know beast level. When, yeah. when you're in a sport, you can't be nice. You've got to turn your aggression level up that little bit. So I've introduced her to aggression. There's a few things I wish I didn't do as she goes lumping into people playing football now. Um, but yeah, that type of thing, the lady, the ladies come back with their aggression out in beast mode and we're going to kill and we're going to win. The lads go into this kind of mardar state. Mm-hmm. But it's the same with the men. I can't have this right now, so I'm just going to go get it. Right. And that's the feeling around men's football. Just for me, okay. at an amateur level, just for me. Well, if you can't do it, then I'm going like this, like a petty feeling. Well, yours is a great idea, but I'm going to take your great idea and I'm going to tell the world. And and I don't understand. It's not really a team ethos. It's kind of individualistic. And I think it's to do with, historically, how much money is in men's football. Right. Everyone's kind of after a little bit of that money that seeps down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There isn't that much money going down on any level, so... I don't know what it is, but it's a very singular, um, just a very singular way of being 
uh, for men's football. So, yeah, I, I just think it's shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I went on with it for about 10 minutes more than what I thought it was should do. But anyway, um, I am more than happy to be working alongside Phil Bruce. I am Phil Bruce's assistant at City of Stoke. Uh, Phil Bruce, who's got a great name in the city uh, with ladies football. And I'm hoping this season we can come out with more silverware well, than a... I don't know a casino has got absolutely amazing. Oh, I, I, and and I'm, I hope that happens as well. I yeah. was very happy to see the announcement. I must admit, standing there all proud in uh, your shoes. I was standing up. <laughs> Do you know that in the picture? I'll just go into this picture. Do you know that was after a two-hour session of fucking exercising? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had straps put on around me because I'm I'm the new old coach who can play a bit of football, right? Yeah. And as you know, Dave, I fancy myself as a bit of a baller myself. Yeah, you, well, yeah, so you've got some skills. I've been put through the <laughs> ringer by every single one of them. Like, I was on the ball and one just completely puts their elbow into you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right. Like, little things <laughs> like that. And I think it's brilliant because it's nothing evil. There's no malice. It's all kind of team inclusion. And you get that from ladies football at the moment. Mm. Mm, the team ethos. That's cool, man. They seem to get very it. cool. I like it. I like that a lot. Um, We're not getting into America. But no, we won't do America today. Um, <laughs> we'll do America next week because that's a show. Yeah, that's a show in itself. I was thinking that, you know, I was thinking the war. I was thinking America. That's 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 another couple of hours. So, just talk about him for two seconds. Go on. This Glastonbury show that I watched last night. Uh, I have not watched it yet, but I've... I've have you um, not watched the Glastonbury show last waiting, night I'm yet. waiting for it to go on iPlayer, and it's not on there yet. <laughs> oh, my days. So, last night, I was stuck. I'm not a massive Paul McCartney fan, as you know, Dave. I'm not a huge Beatles fan. Yeah, yeah. But last night, I sat down on... The, the missus went to bed after flipping Doctor Strange and the Multitude of Boredom. Um, <laughs> she went to... She went to bed. Don't bother with that film, anyone. Trust me, any curiosity will not be helped in there. And as she went to bed, he was walking on stage. So I think it was about 10 o'clock. Yeah. Ish. I think his set started. He's, this is one of the things that people have kicked up with us about. His set started at half past nine, but the BBC didn't start broadcasting it till about ten or something like that. Oh, right, okay. Well, um, I that he was on a delay, like... Oh, I didn't sit... Well, it started for me when the BBC started it anyway. Um, and for two hours, I was completely captivated by what is an 80-year-old man and a guitar. Yeah. And if you don't know who the guests are, David, I won't... Oh, no, I know who the guests I, are, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I won't change it for you, but he brought on uh, one of my favourite... Rock, rock, rock front man Dave Grohl, um, and he also bought on the boss. And if you don't know who the boss is, I'm not even going to tell you his name, uh, Mr. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. And he played the heart and soul out of everything for two and a half hours. And I don't think he missed a popular song that he's ever done. And he did have a giggle. Yeah, I've I've heard it was a very good set. Um, he, was, he was very good at um, saying to the crowd, I can see when it's my solo in new progressive stuff because it's dark here. And the moment I play a Beatles or this, <laughs> the other song, everywhere lights up like a galaxy. <laughs> so he was... He was engaging. He was funny, and he's very he's very good with his dry Scouse accents. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do, I do like Mister McCartney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For an eighty year old, wow! Two thing, and a half hours, mate. One of the things I said 
um, I've said today is it shows you how how big Paul McCartney is when the boss makes a cameo for him. That's a big, you know what that's I mean? a big cameo. The boss is. doesn't make cameos. People People make cameos for the boss. You yeah. know what I mean? For him to come out for Paul McCartney, that just shows you what level Paul McCartney is well, actually at. You know what I mean? At the head of this show, we've been going through the most expensive vinyls of all time, and we can talk about the Beatles till there was you, the Beatles yesterday, John Lennon and Yoko, the Beatles Sergeant Pepper, the Beatles White Album. He's pretty much cemented his legacy in in rock and roll status and music status and just how music's formed over the last 50 years or so. Um, but for an 80, just forget about everything he's done. The fact remains he's an 80-year-old standing yeah. on stage for two and a half hours singing his heart out. Yeah. And he did it amazingly well. I will say this, though. Paul McCartney, if you're standing on stage, sing Beatles song... And I think I'm angry at this because two minutes before he was on stage, Noel Gallagher was on stage singing Wonderwall. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of weeks previous, Liam Gallagher did a set list at Glastonbury, yeah. which was 60% Oasis, 70, 80% Oasis. I'd be... And I don't know if I'm annoyed at Paul McCartney or if I'm annoyed at Noel and Liam Gallagher. I, I'd be very disappointed if I went to a Liam... If I went to any gig, actually, by any artist that had been in a massive band, if the if the artist had only been in an average band, then yeah, maybe one song from the average band. But somebody like if I went to see Vince Neil from Motley Crue and he didn't play "Shout at the Devil," then yeah. I'd be I'd be pissed. If I went to see Blaze, girls, girls, girls for me. If I went to see Blaze Bailey and the band didn't play "Sign of the Cross" or, or "Man on the Edge." from Iron Maiden, I'd be pissed. If I went to see Liam and he didn't play Rock and Roll Star, I'd be pissed. You know what I mean? I I think Liam and Noel, they've got enough of their own solo material to do a full solo set. Mm. But let's face it, if if you went to see Liam Gallagher and he didn't pull out some of them Oasis bangers... I'd be a bit like, hang on a minute, where's Rock and Roll Star? Where's- I think it's because I'm annoyed at Noel... For not just going, right? Let's just put Oasis together. Let's just I get let's that. just do, let's just do the gig. Mm. What I'm gonna do instead is I'm gonna do my gig with the Oasis songs. Liam's gonna do his gig with the Oasis songs, and it's never really gonna gain anything yeah. or yeah. any traction or anything along those lines. Yeah, guys, come together, have a beer, mm. just reform Oasis. Do the ten gigs. Let everyone get the flipping max out and everything. And do you? I do you genuinely res- believe now he's just not doing it because people are asking him. Do your residency at the O2. That's all we want. Yeah, go and do um, your ten gigs at the O2, and let's call it a day. Um, and I think the same goes for Paul McCartney. You, if you go to a Paul McCartney gig, not expecting a Beatles, uh, you're right. Album, on, you're right then. on Paul McCartney because the Beatles. Bat- of course, you're going to hear Beatles songs because you can't yeah. exactly have George and Lennon there, can you? No. No, although he he has been having the video, hasn't he, of John Lennon playing yeah. um, on his tour, um, which is very fucking cool. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm all I'm all for it. I'm all up for bands, artists who've gone solo or whatever, knocking out some of the the older songs. You know, um, I think mm, did Robbie do any take that stuff? No, no. I think 
he might be an exception to the rule because his solo career was so big. Yeah. So big. I think that might be something you know I mean? else that I'm used to. I might, but if because I'm used to watching this yeah. guy. But if Gary Baller went and did a solo gig and he didn't play a million love songs, I'd be pissed. You know what I mean? Good. It's yeah. like, you know, if if the same with Mark Owen. It's probably you know. Looking I think into you, it's probably because he wasn't the lead singer. You've got to have a solo career that's bigger than the band you're in before to not play them old songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose so. And especially in the UK, Robbie was, and still is, fucking huge. Mm. Like, so, you know, and I think with, with any other band, like, you know, especially the Beatles, and especially Oasis, you know, if if you're not going to play them songs, Bruce Dickinson did it when he was solo, when he when, yeah. when he left Maiden, and he did his solo stuff, when he toured and did gigs, he only played Bruce Dickinson songs. And people complained. People were like, uh, why didn't you do Run to the Hills? Because well, that's an Iron Maiden song, and I'm Bruce Dickinson. Bruce Dickinson, guys. Yeah, yeah and that, that's the way you did it. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. On that note. On that note. We're going to call it a day for today's extended episode. Um, a big thank you to everybody that's tuned into this episode. Uh, our apologies, my apologies, for it taking nine months to get another episode out. Uh, but we're back, and uh, hopefully this will be regular once again. Um, so be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. We are available wherever podcasts are available, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all them other places that you can listen to podcasts. Uh, we are there. So subscribe to guarantee delivery of every new episode and you can listen to all the old ones as well uh, we're on social media you can follow us on twitter at shinglers less pc you can follow me at shinglers underscore list you can follow cleon at k al Bewley on twitter aren't you yeah and yeah. k al five on, on instagram, instagram. Yep. it's been so long since i've done this k al Bewley on twitter and on instagram it's at k al Bewley five same old same old for me on instagram shinglers underscore list you guys are awesome and we will see you next time.